This is episode 287. When you hear things like the law of attraction and how your feelings cause disease, does your crazy hippie alarm go off? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> if you've been trying to get well for your entire life, seeing practitioner after practitioner, or you've tried all the supplements and the juice cleansers and the fasting and all the stuff that's out there, but your problems keep coming back or no one seems to be able to solve your stuff, it could be that your health issues or even more serious diagnoses could be related to some deep emotional wounds that you've been carrying around for a long time. And little side note, you're not broken. Every human walking the earth has a variation of these wounds from childhood and their lived experience. The key here is understanding what they are, why they're there, and resolving those problems by rewriting the story of meaning that these wounds have in our life so that our nervous system begins to show up in a healing way for our body rather than a defective way. As usual, this is about doing the uncomfortable work. You're welcome. <laughs> so without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Today, I want you to have your emotions on standby because we're going to be chatting about those godforsaken things called your feelings and how and why they're so difficult to change. It's fundamentally helpful for a lot of reasons, namely because in 2023, it's my mission to coach 500 people to stop the binge eating and savage self-talk cycle so they can lose weight whilst feeling in control and without restriction along the way. And I would argue that most work that health practitioners do is actually about the mind and the emotions, whether they're aware of it or whether they're working directly with it or not. And to take us further down this juicy avenue of conversation, we have JJ Flizanes, whom is an empowerment strategist, which means she can give you a strategy to overcome the unhelpful emotional traps that you've continually found yourself in over the last many decades. She's also the host of several podcasts and works with clients that are conscious, spiritual truth seekers wanting to improve their blocks, dissolve their self-sabotage cycles, and turn struggle into joy, which all sounds pretty good, doesn't it? JJ has appeared on loads of mainstream US news and information shows and of course a bunch of podcasts and, uh, and I was wrapped to discover as well. She does some work with a mentor and friend of mine, the fabulous Dr. Nasha Winters, which is really cool. And you can check out my conversations on cancer with Nasha on episodes 95 and 223. And it's time to flip the lid on this batch of feelings. And JJ, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, Maddie. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. You are so welcome. I'm glad to have you here. And I really enjoyed going through your website and checking out your, your webinars and your masterclasses and all of the different bits and pieces out there. You are such a passionate person. But I'm curious, where did this passion to talk about emotions come from? Well, I actually think it comes from my astrology, quite honestly. Um, mm -hmm. Pisces with a lot of Sag. So I've got a lot of truth seeker and a lot of depth. So I've always been interested in things. I mean, I've been asking really deep questions since I can remember. It was always the why, you know, my parents would try to scold me for something and I'd say, well, why, why is that bad? And, you know, and I would only agree with it. I'd only say, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll accept that if I agree with you because I'm your mother, because I'm your father, because I said, so we're not answers. So I think I was just sort of born an old soul who is a truth seeker and, uh, and have always just sort of noticed patterns, emotional patterns, you know, the way people do things, behavioral patterns, and then just ask why. And then I've sort of been on this lifelong journey of researching that. 
Why do you think a lot of people are scared to ask the question why or don't ask the question why? Well, what I really think is that people don't, people really don't want to feel bad about themselves. I think, I think that we have core wounds that rule our lives. And I've been sort of specializing in core wounds for the last couple of years and getting ready to write the next book, which will be all about that uh, because I've sort of practiced it out in the world. And I've been leading groups through core wound work and sort of diving deeper into taking certain exercises and making them better and more sort of user friendly. So it's one thing to know something. It's one thing to live it differently. And Mm -hmm. if we don't cross that gap, if we don't take the information and make it livable in a new way, if we don't change the neuroplasticity of these patterns of beliefs that we have in our bodies, then then it doesn't matter what you know, it matters what you live, it matters what you do. And so I think that for a lot of people, it's emotions scare them so much. And the idea of feeling fundamentally flawed, or feeling not good enough, or feeling not smart enough are things people run from. And so rather than face it, and know that that's a judgment that isn't actually true, but they may feel like it's true. And so they don't want to uncover that it's true. So they just avoid the whole thing altogether. And so people run so fast from their emotions, they do whatever they can to not feel them and to not be in them. Yeah. I'm curious when you talk about the core wounds, uh, that might be new language for some people um, that might be listening. And when you talk about the core wounds, is that the idea that every sort of everything that is not when that we're not doing in our own favor is somehow connected to the idea of abandonment, betrayal and rejection? Yeah. Some of the top core wounds would be abandoned, feeling um, invisible, being devalued. Mm -hmm made to feel guilty, controlled or suppressed. Those are some just off the top of my head, some core wounds that people have. And, and really when you, you know, when you come out of the womb, you, your little brain has to make sense of the world and why things are happening and how you get love. And when your caregivers give you what feels like love and when they don't give you what feels like love, you have to make sense of all of that. And so it's really comes down to our interpretations And even, I mean, your parents have their own core wounds and their parents have their own core wounds. So it's not something that some, somebody has and someone doesn't, everybody has them. It's somewhere along the line, this misinterpretation of a situation created a belief and that belief then became our reality. And we live from that belief as if it's our reality, as if it's real, as if it was true. And it really is just a misunderstanding. It's a misunderstanding interpretation of information, but that goes in deep into your subconscious. And and that then ends up playing itself out for the rest of your life. If you feel, if you felt invisible as a child, then you believe that to be that you're not worthy, that I'm, no one pays attention to me. I, the only way that I can get attention is if I, you know, create drama or yell or scream or something bad has to happen. And so you may say, why are these things always happening to me? And it's because subconsciously, the subconscious says, well, if I want attention from somebody, there has to be a big, big drama that happens in order for me to get attention because that's the only way anyone pays attention to me. And that's just an example of a wound that then becomes a belief and then how it trickles into our life. And so I, for me, when I was in therapy for like one of the last times with my ex-husband trying to save my marriage, I had come across the work of uh, Harville Hendricks and getting the love that you want. And I had asked specifically to do that work. I had interviewed on my show, a therapist in the area who was doing a little bit of Harville's work, but she wasn't just doing Harville's work. So she had a little bit of the core wound stuff and a little bit of the Imago stuff. But funny enough, when I went in, we, we did sort of some of the exercises, but when we did this exercise, it was a game changer for me. I mean, I, I was just 
in awe. And when I did the exercise myself and saw a pattern, and you could have said to me, and my ex-husband said it a lot, that doesn't work. What you're doing is not getting you what you want. And I intellectually understood that. And I said, I know, but I just can't keep doing it anyway. And then somehow when I did this form, this core wound work, and then I saw the pattern over the course of my entire life that had nothing to do with him, it became so clear and I stopped immediately. And I thought, why isn't everyone in therapy doing this exercise? This would streamline everything so fast because we, it's like, I like to tell people that I treat it like, like I'm a doctor. I'm going to identify the problem. I'm going to diagnose the problem. And then I'm going to create the treatment plan based on the problem. Well, what happens in traditional talk therapy is people go in and start talking about whatever happened yesterday, whatever happened with their, with their boyfriend or their husband or their, their child or their parent, as if that situation is independent of the reg of the belief systems from before. And I'm going, no, 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 go back to the beginning. We don't have to stay there. We don't have to talk about it forever. We just need to understand what happened so we know what core wounds we're even dealing with now in the present and how that it's trickled into life and how all of it, how it keeps recreating itself. I'm curious, you resonated with this particular practice obviously very strongly and it was really effective to the point that, you know, obviously maybe a lot of what you do now is built upon this idea. Do you think it's personality specific? And the reason that I ask that is because a lot of these uh, modalities or strategies in order to heal emotional wounds, uh, whether it be from childhood trauma, whether it be relationship, different people move towards different things. And you often hear the idea that you need to believe in the practice in order for it to be effective. Um, and, and you hear that a lot with hypnosis as well. Do you feel like that that is the case? Is that, is that your belief in the process or your resonance with a particular process is as important as the tool itself? Absolutely. And it's a great question because... I have been in this sort of healing space versus personal trainer, nutritionist. And before that, in a strange way as an actress, because I would put myself in other people's shoes, other characters' shoes to see what, like I learned so much in an acting class. I learned more about history and science in an acting class than I ever did in science or history class, because I was embodying a point of view. I was embodying how whatever's going on in the world affects my day-to-day -day living. And, and that was transformational because if you don't know how to put yourself in someone else's shoes that, and you think that the world operates from your point of view, we're going to, it's going to be a very painful ride for the rest of your life because it's always going to be like everyone else is wrong and you're right yeah. and everyone else is stupid and everyone else is ignorant and you're the only one who has the answers. So when I started this core wound work and I had been to therapy a couple of times with my ex and a couple of times sort of independently, and there were just some inherent problems with it. And then when I started my podcast, I did start out as a personal trainer who was coaching people on law of attraction. And then what would happen when I sort of branched off and the shows became multiple shows. And then I sort of specifically made the content per, because on my original show was fit to love. It was six days a week. And each day of the week was a different theme. And when after almost two years and 350 episodes, I realized that not everybody was finding the right information because the brand didn't let you know all of the very specific keywords I would talk about. So I'm like, I think I need to change this and make different shows. So then the first one I took away was my Freedom Friday and I made it Spirit, Purpose and Energy. And that was my like that was a day that was my favorite day. In fact, it was my guilty pleasure day, so to speak, because when I started my show, I put out information that I thought my clients wanted health information, diet information, nutrition, exercise, 
all the things about the body and then a little bit of behavioral stuff. But then this was like, oh, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to give myself permission on this day to talk about whatever I want to talk about and what I'm learning, what I'm using, which was really based in law of attraction. So fast forward, I put the show out and within two months, I had people like, oh my God, this is changing my life. What do you have? I want more. And I was like, whoa, holy crap. Okay, I have nothing to give these people. I literally just put the show out because I don't have anything to offer anybody. No freebies, no funnels, no products, no services, nothing. And then I started to offer coaching to that community and over and over and over for the last, I mean, Spirit Purpose Energy was 2016. So where are we? We're seven years later. Seven years later, I would get someone for two sessions and after two sessions, they'd been therapy for three years, five years, seven years, 10 years. They would do a whole pivot and they would be like, oh my God, and like life would open up and the th- they would be, their life would change. And that happened so often that I thought, okay, I'm going to claim this because, I, you know, I'm not a big, I've been to therapy enough. I know enough therapists and I see so many problems with it. I see so many people living the same life over and over again, even though they talk about it every week, they tell the same story. It was just frustrating. And I'm a truth seeker and I always have been. So if it doesn't, if you don't give me a solution or we don't find a different perspective or I don't feel better, then what am I doing here? I understand why people hate therapy. They don't want to go feel bad every time. They don't want to bring up something that really bothers them. And then they get emotional and then, oh, we're done. You have to leave now. It's, you know, your time is up. That, that isn't how I work. So when it just kept happening, and, and I even questioned that recently with a friend of mine who has known me for a long time. She's currently in my mastermind. She's a healer herself. She's been in self-development for 20 years. And even her in my program have said to me, because I created a, a, a program called the Roadmap to Emotional Healing. And, and she said to me, there's something that you're doing that's different because I've been in self-development for 20 years and I don't, something that you're talking about, I can't answer those questions. And I've been dealing with abandonment for 20 years and it's no better. Mm. So, so do I think that, I think that it's layered. I do think that, you know, therapy or therapeutic things are very personal and I think they all have a place. For me, what I created was the roadmap so that when you were making choices, they were based on something, some reason. They were based on core wounds. They were based on having an understanding of here's where I am and here's where I want to go. And then here are all the choices I have. And why do I choose to do this thing or that thing? Why do I choose to go to Reiki or go to a, an emotional healer or do tapping or whatever, whatever the modality is to me, people needed a reason because too many people find a healer. They go, Oh my God, that's it. That's the person they're going to heal me. And then they do the sessions and then some things may shift or change, but somehow they revert back or maybe they have 10 other things now that come up and it's like, Oh, that didn't fix the whole problem. Well, let me go over here and let me do this over here and try to fix the problem over here with this person or this modality. And then it does a little bit, but it doesn't clear the whole thing. And so I try to, I created the roadmap so people understood that there are always going to be choices and the choices that you make should be based on some kind of information. And that information to me would be starting with your core wounds. And it sounds as well, I've had, I've also done a lot of personal development, a lot of therapists, a lot of healers in different modalities and areas. But that when I realized for myself that I was bouncing around to all of these different people and trying to get help from this person, this person, this person. I really understood at some point there was a moment where I understood, oh, I, I'm searching for someone to save me. And because nobody can save anyone, when you, you get you know, off the little bit of excitement in the beginning of a new person or a new program or a new product or whatever it is, there's a little bit of result and maybe a little bit of progress. But inevitably, you have to take responsibility and do it all yourself. And when you're out there looking for someone to do it for you, you end up being, you know, 
a, a personal development junkie that doesn't personally develop. <laughs> well said. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I know that um, from your website and from listening to some of your stuff, and we're sort of getting into it here already, but this idea about talk therapy just sitting you in the mud over and over again, repeatedly, every session rather than being solution oriented. Um, and I would argue that that's probably my experience of it too, in the sense that I have a fantastic psych that I see regularly. His name's Charles. He's amazing. But it took me a long time to find somebody who was very structured in their thinking in, in regards to at the end of the session, now go and execute ABC rather than just go away with you know my sadness. Um, what do you think is missing in the conventional system that means that all of this personal development isn't solution-oriented? Well, in traditional talk therapy, I did a, a workshop. It's free. It's on my site called Three Reasons Why Talk Therapy is Ineffective. Um, I'd invite anybody to go watch it if you're interested. I'm going to give you two other things I didn't put in because as time has gone on, I'm like, well, there's number four and there's number five. <laughs> and I'll give, so I'll give you one that's not on that workshop. Uh, but But one of them is that you, when you come into a traditional talk therapy situation, the therapist wants you to feel safe and wants you to feel seen and heard. And so basically you tell the story, it's your story. You're the hero of your story. So everybody else is wrong. You're the victim of your story also. Uh, but there's never, there's not a lot of like information given about maybe the other people from a different point of view or other ways of thinking about something or other modalities in which to interpret what has happened. So we're only working with as much as the person comes in with the, as much as they know. So for instance, I'll give you an example of, I have a, I have a six month coaching group and a three month coaching group. And, and part of what I, and what I do with these small groups is give them new interpretation tools. And, you know, astrology is one of them for sure. Birth order can be one of them. Love language can be one of them. Um, you know, looking at how you upper limit in life, the core wounds is one of them. But we're taking different information. And it's funny because in the last six month group, by the end, we did astrology at the end. And I had never done astrology. They get the course, but I'd never like facilitated it during a six month group. But I'd had somebody in the group who prior to that would not budge about giving her mother any compassion. She was just angry and mad. And even though she felt like push, like she'd push her mother away and she said she accepted it, but she had no compassion for her. And after five months of tools, and then we get to the astrology piece and all of a sudden she melts open and now she has compassion. I was like, so interesting how, again, some tools for some people are going to be the key that unlocks the door to their heart coming, coming wide open. And that's where, again, we, when we're only looking from one point of view and we have no more information, we have no new information. We have no new way of interpreting. Then you're just going to spin. You're going to tell the same story from the same point of view with the same information over and over again. And you're not, you're going to get the same result unless we learn something new, a new way of looking at it, a new way of interpreting it, a new way of taking responsibility for it then I think you're just going to spin and say the same and wonder why you keep attracting the same situation, the same person or the same job or the same result over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I guess this is where in many ways for many people, this can manifest into disease uh, and illness because you continue telling that narrative or holding that belief or idea or anger or fire inside you to the point that it's got nowhere to go. It just it just festers and grows and then can be connected to some disease outcomes. Well, I saw you've had Dr. Bruce Lipton on. He's been on my show several times and I actually just got back from a weekend with him in Sedona. He'd done a workshop and, you know, yeah, this Bruce time he sort of boiled it down. Yeah, he's awesome. And he boiled it down 
to two beliefs that and and his whole workshop was needs to be made into a movie so more people can see it but it was more of the what versus the how it was the what of epigenetics from the point of view of that your genes do not control your your destiny or your body or your health your epigenetics your interpretation does your mind does it, again we come back to the interpretation piece and the files that were sort of already installed in your programming from birth to 7 or 8 which again we talked about when you're younger and then how do we change those as we get older? And there are several modalities that can help to change those. But the two beliefs that he stated very simply, that if you don't change these two beliefs, you can't heal. And the two beliefs are that I love myself. So you can't, you have to love yourself and you have to believe you love yourself. And I feel safe. Most people don't feel safe in their homes or in the world. And most people don't love themselves. So if we don't have those two things, I did a whole workshop actually for Nisha's tap group several years ago called how emotions affect healing and disease mm -hmm. and uh and that was based on and i used all kinds of different i used chinese medicine in that and and i used the epigenetics from dr bruce lipton but ultimately end of the day our bodies can you know our bodies are meant to heal themselves but they can't heal themselves if they're trying to fight something else if they're if you're not feeling safe and you're constantly on edge then we know we're in fight or flight and if we're in fight or flight then everything stops working except the blood rushes to your arms and your legs so that you can run. <laughs> like it's a, like your organs kind of shut down. So if you're always in fight or flight, digestion's not working. You know, you're, there's going to be a, your conscious brain is not going to be working because you're literally yeah. only in survival. And if you don't love yourself, again, we have sort of that always seeking attention, validation, love, acknowledgement in order to love ourselves. So when people would ask me after the workshop, like, what do you do? I said, I help people love themselves and to feel safe. <laughs> so let's make it really clear. And so for me, emotions are all of it. Like I love health stuff. I started there. I'm still there. I don't deny that the physical body, that physical aspects have a direct correlation to our health. But as far as I'm concerned, emotions, quantum physics, quantum physics and epigenetics are way above all of that. Everything aligns itself under the umbrella of quantum physics and epigenetics as far as I'm concerned. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. But what just came up in my mind as you were talking then, like 
there's some big ideas and 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 what I mean by that is that you know we have varying degrees of intelligence, openness, um, understanding, comprehension. How do we get people from the beginning of their journey all the way to the top in the quickest way possible to understanding the epigenet- epigenetics and the quantum physics? Because there's some there's some big ideas. Well, this is where experience teaches more than words. Mm-hmm. Because the smarter you are, the more resistance you have to the simplicity of it. <laughs> totally. When I started working with cancer patients, at some point I said to Nisha, I don't think I can work with cancer patients. And that's not a judgment for anyone who's out there who has cancer. It's that to, you know, and we've talked about this, she and I on my show, cancer is the ultimate disconnect. If you have, if you've found yourself with cancer, there's been a disconnection from your body, from your soul, from your heart, from being open. There's something that you're, you know, again, in survival mode about, but now we've separated you from your intuition, your higher self, and literally from loving yourself or feeling safe. And what quantum physics teaches and law of attraction, and really it's the the piece about alignment and emotions is so simple. It's literally about feeling good. But for a lot of people who are so smart, feeling good is like, oh, it can't be that easy. Oh, it can't be that easy. Like feel good. And it's like, but that's where epigenetics proves that. Epigenetics proves that how the energy of the body is going to produce the environment for the body to heal itself or not. So if you don't feel good, if you're in fight or flight, if you're in fear, if you're in self-hatred and toxic emotions and holding on to anger and resentment and your heart is closed and you're afraid of everything, I don't care what you eat. You're not going to heal. Mm-hmm. So how do you get them there? Well, that's why I do small group coaching programs because it's very individualized. I can't, I can help someone with a roadmap, but there are certain ideas and beliefs. I have a cancer patient. Well, she's been cancer survivor for many years. And she came into my last program again with that sort of, but JJ, but JJ, the physical, the physical, the physical. And I had her listen to my episode with with Bruce Lipton, the first one. And biology of belief. And I really kind of honed it on her. And I said to her, and I won't share it here because I don't want to piss off people that don't know me. But I said something to her was re- that was it was really I said it on someone else's podcast. And then after I said it, because I was in flow, I thought, oh, they're not going to hear that the way that I mean. They don't know me. So they're not going to hear that the way that I want them to. Can you please edit that out? So that person, Dr. Mindy Pels, she ended it out. She edited it out. And Thanks, then <laughs> and then I told said client what I had said, but I wasn't saying it to her. I was just sharing the story. But yeah. it bothered her so much that she thought about it and then she sort of self-reflected on it and then had a major breakthrough. She couldn't get her blood sugar numbers to go down for months, no matter what she tried. And then after this little incident of, of feeling the resistance of what I said and being triggered by it and then really owning it and then really reflecting back on her life before getting cancer, she, she accepted it. And then she had a little bit of an emotional reaction to it and then her blood sugar went down. And it's been down ever since. And it was the key. It wasn't the fasting. It wasn't the, you know, the diet or whatever, the supplements. It was, it took her to uh, let go, but she agreed with me. And she said, holy crap, I have learned more. I thought I was doing the work, but now this is a game changer because the stress of sometimes the protocols that people are under for their health create Mm -hmm. stress. It's meant to help you heal, but if it creates more stress, then it gives you relief we're having a problem here because sometimes yeah. that stress does the same thing that negative stress does, right? We think of it as positive stress because, well, I'm trying to work out. I'm trying to eat right. I'm trying to do all these things. But if you, but if you're pushed to an edge where you don't, you're feeling, you know, under the gun or like, if you don't do this, you're going to die. And the emotional energy underneath this, it's fueling all of that is desperation. <sighs> like, you know, that's not a place the body goes, oh yeah, I feel safe to heal now. 
It's funny you say that. I said just this week to a client, she's been feeling absolutely knackered. She just took five weeks off work to just focus on reclaiming some of her energy. And she said, I've been going to saunas and um, ice baths. and, And I was like, stop, 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 stop. Like if you're absolutely knackered and stressed out, that is just more physiological stress to the system. Like we want to be lying on a beach, (laughs) you know, not putting the system under even more stress. Sure, when the body's healthy, that is healthy stress. But when we're just talking about this situation, it's just more stress into the stress bucket. Right. That would be a time to reflect on what's... I deal with stress reduction, not stress management. So Mm -hmm. instead of people want to manage their stress, I'm like, why would you want to manage the stress? Why would you want to rearrange the chairs on the deck of the Titanic? You don't want to, you don't want to rearrange it. You don't want to stress manage. You want to stress reduce. So this is where when, you know, coming into working with somebody, no matter who they are, if we can give people different interpretation, have a different perspective, we can release the stress. I had a guy in in a three month program I had last year. And I mean, between the first and second session that we all had together, he'd come on and he said, Oh, I saw my therapist and I had this anger about my dad. And then I said, hold up. And I just rearranged that for him. And I gave him a different point of view from what I saw as to be the truth, which was not his truth. And within an instant, 30 years of pain turned into 30 years of, of appreciation and tears and sadness. And Oh my God, my father really did love me. He didn't see that because it wasn't looking from that angle. He was looking from, he didn't have the information. He didn't have the, the right interpretation of what happened. He came from his own wounds, of course, which we all do. But that's where one bit of information can literally change your past when you see it differently. And that has such power. Yeah. I'm curious, actually, with that sort of unpacking, do you think do you think people need to go on a, a predetermined, unknown length of time telling that story before the muscle wears out? before they finally get to a moment where, you know, it might be 30 years, it might be three years, depending on the person. But for each person, it's different. But they have to tell the story enough times where they they run out of voice for the story, if you know what I mean. And they finally get to a point where they can accept the new version. Maybe. I mean, with this particular person, he was in a place of being super ready to, he was a sponge. He he wanted to take in as much information as he could. So he was ready to hear it. Had someone said that to him 10 years prior, maybe he wouldn't have heard it. Mm-hmm. So I do believe people have to be ready for, mm-hmm. and they have to be willing and want it. And then when they do, they're in alignment with it and it can be transformational. But I also think there are a lot of people out there who don't know that there's another version. They just think whatever happened yeah. was the truth. And so, and, and if they, you know, what, when people use getting sick and getting hurt as a way to upper limit themselves. And again, this isn't conscious. You're not choosing to get sick and hurt, but if you find yourself always getting sick and hurt and it kind of becomes that card of like, that's how you get love and attention. You don't want to give that up. I had a client as a personal trainer once. She was an obese woman who couldn't work. She was on disability. Her, her son bought the sessions for her. Her husband weighed on her hand and foot. And I went to her house two or three times a week for a long time to work her out and, you know, talk about diet and, and change whatever she was going to change. And I remember after throwing every tool I had at her, I realized without her doing anything, she was never going to leave the situation. She was a princess. Her husband waited on her hand and foot. If she got better, she would lose all that attention. Yeah. So I realized that she actually didn't really want to get better because she was sort of being doted on and given so much love and attention. She was like probably more than she ever was when she was walking around healthier. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. If you're cutting off your life supply um, to, to upgrade and personally develop and be better, 
and you don't get the life supply, like, why would you do it? <laughs> yeah. So I just think that moment really changed me in th- and I realized because I had tried many different angles of motivating her to do more or to take on more in her health journey. And, uh, and she kind of wouldn't, and she kind of wouldn't, she just did enough to keep everybody sort of paying mm-hmm. attention to her. She got a lot of, you know, she got me to visit all a couple times a week and, you know, again, her husband and her son and she got all this attention. I mean, who wouldn't want that? That was great. So yeah. I just think that if we're not aware of those patterns and we're really comfortable and we're not willing to admit that we like it that way, then, you know, then it's just about lip service and a way to get attention. That's not everybody. I don't mean to make that sound like I think everybody's doing that for attention. And it's again, subconscious. It's not something that she decided. It's just something that ended up working out that really felt good for her. And, and I don't think she wanted to ever get better because she was probably afraid she'd lose that. Well, I think people unconsciously end up in their peak version of survival without realizing it. It's like, I can survive and not die and not be in as much danger as I might otherwise be in this particular situation with me sick, me getting the love and attention. And maybe in their life experience, that is their best possible experience of surviving and even thriving. And so the idea that changing it in any other direction might mean I lose the ability to survive or to thrive. And that, I mean, ultimately could possibly lead to death. And that's terrifying. Yes. Oh, yes. And I think that, you know, you asked also, do you think people have to tell the story? And I'm sure you've dealt with it or worked with it too, especially as a cancer researcher. When when you're facing your mortality, sometimes that's the best time. And sometimes Mm. I think that's why we manifest it. I think we manifest what I think is we're the more stubborn that we are, the more we're not willing to look at things, we're going to manifest things that are going to push us to do the things we're unwilling to choose to do, whether it be slow down, take a break, connect with people, admit that you're on a cycle of running away from things, whatever the case, whatever the message is. You know, I know many people, cancer thrivers who say cancer was the, that saved their life because it got them to stop the life that got them there in the first place. Yeah. I'm really curious to ask you more about the safety piece. I remember myself uh, in my younger twenties, the idea of safety, um, I was having regular discussions with my girlfriend at the time. I was just like, you know, after work, just get the train home from work. You'll be fine. Like, you know, we live in Australia, the statistical likelihood of you getting hurt or harmed is so incredibly low. And the, the point of me sharing that is that it actually took me years to understand that women in particular walk around generally with a level of fear or lack of safety that most men don't, especially in the privileged countries in the world that have a much higher or a much lower crime rate. And so it doesn't mean it's not there, but it's still... And it took me years to really understand the this sort of innate fear that many women have walking around the world. And so I'm curious to understand more about resolving or starting to feel safe in, in the world that we're in, because... It's probably part of our biology and our evolutionary biology to to be on guard, to make sure that, you know, we're checking the surroundings, we're making sure that nothing's going on. So is it possible to get to complete safety? And is that then you back in a vulnerable position? So you said something really important. You said in uh, in the world. And part of, I think, the key of feeling safe is to understand that you're not just part of this world. I think that they, you have to go to a broader perspective okay. of not because I, I'm sure if you have followed Nisha, you know, one of the things that she and I talked about personally that then led me to do some recent study on sort of psychedelics and and how psychedelics help to help cancer patients 
outlive their diagnosis because what gets them sicker, if you will, is the fear of dying. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people have an experience like a psychedelic experience and, and sort of move through different dimensions, if you will, and have a broader perspective. And then all of a sudden release the fear of death and releasing the fear of death. And it doesn't mean they're not, they don't think they're going to die. Maybe they just accept death and they change their interpretation of it. And so now they don't have the same emotions about it. And then because of that, the body heals itself and they outlive their diagnosis. But it's not your, when we're looking conditions and you're, you know, you're mentioning statistics and we're looking at, you know, all the reasons why and all the reasons, you know, when we look, when we look at conditions in the world, we're never going to find, and we never can control the perfect conditions to feel safe. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter where you are and who you are, because if you could look, I mean, I, where we live, we had an earthquake last week like, yeah, like a week ago. And we were at the epicenter. Now I've been in California 23 years and I've never been at an epicenter and it was actually a small earthquake. It was only a 5.1, but being at an epicenter meant you get a lot more aftershocks. So we probably had 16 or 18 aftershocks and, and they, some of them, they were small. I mean, one was a little bit bigger. It was like a 4.0 or something. But what I, I got really frustrated with people, because I think we were all supposed to have a hurricane here. It was like, California doesn't have hurricanes. But everybody was worried about a hurricane. Oh, my God, the hurricane's coming. The hurricane's coming. And I swear the, the, the fear of everybody and the worry of everybody about the hurricane caused the damn earthquake. Because now all we can talk about is how now they're all glued to looking at the, you know, the different apps that show you all the earthquakes, which, you know, every day now on Nextdoor, everyone's reporting, oh, today we had eight of them. Like, oh, my God, everybody. Because they're obsessed. Because they don't feel safe. And they're looking for reasons to feel safe, but the reasons are causing them to feel more unsafe because what they didn't realize before the epicenter earthquake is that the ground moves all the time here, but you never notice it. And all of a sudden now we're tuned to it. We're so tuned to it that the fear goes up and everyone's feeling, not everyone, I'm not, but you know, but you know, but so many people are now feeling unsafe because they're trying to control conditions and you can never control conditions. So when you understand that and you under, now, does that mean you don't, follow your intuition if you feel like you're in an unsafe situation of course not your body has these mechanisms in place in your subconscious in your brain in order for your survival but it's a broader perspective of of a belief system that's going to help you to make peace with and be able to be more resilient with what happens in your life and to let go of the control and there's also part of quantum physics because that's all of attraction when you're constantly worried about something bad happening to you you're literally in the frequency of finding something bad happening to you to prove that you are right so that's where our belief system and again that's vibration and frequency which most of us understand when we're looking at a radio dial or looking at the tv and the you know the number on the on the you know the station or the number on the radio station you can't listen to what you want on 102.7 if you're on 94.5 yeah it's a different frequency but that's the light again but this comes down to the things that people can't accept because they're like oh that's too simple oh what do you mean frequency oh that's about emotion that's too simple but it's physics guys it's physics and that's and when we understand that you do the best to get into alignment with the highest frequency that you can sustain. And, you know, but you're always going to have stuff happening. You can't control life and you can't control other people, but you can attract being at the right place at the right time. You can attract that it happens to other people, but doesn't happen to you. And I'm not even trying to play that game. There's no deservability or anything like that. It's just understanding that you are more than just this physical body. And when we're looking at trying to control conditions, no one will ever feel safe. It's. I think that one of the number one pieces of health advice is like, don't watch the news. 
or read the paper. Yeah, absolutely. If it's not happening to you right now, like it's, you can learn about it and you know, but I wouldn't, it's like getting on the scale. I don't know. I wrote a book called um, Invisible Fitness Formula, Five Secrets to Release Weight and End Body Shame. And one of the things in the book is people's addiction. And I'm sure you deal with this addiction to the scale. Mm, one of my I number lost. one rules was do not get on the scale unless you already feel good. That's mine too. Yeah. Because otherwise you are looking for the scale. You are giving all of your power over to the scale to tell you if you're going to be happy or not, if you're going to be nice to yourself or you're going to beat yourself up today. And that is literally what I'm talking about. This is like being addicted to the news to tell you if you have something to worry about today, just decide to be in your life yeah. and not, and don't, don't be so involved. There are many different realities happening at every, at any minute all over the world. And they're not yours unless you're in them. I'm with the frequency stuff um, and getting into that reality or, or manifesting and creating that reality. Firstly, it always blows my mind that we can happily accept uh, the conversation around Wi-Fi or sonar or radar and all of these things. And it's like, oh, this amazing, you know, feat of engineering and technology and science. It's so impressive. And then we have the same conversation to do with the human body and energy and attraction and frequency. And instantly the same idea gets put in the hippie woo-woo category what do you think is that disconnect? Why, why when it's all like, you know, you keep re referencing quantum physics and in order for that to exist, we have physicists that explain it to do with the usability and practicality of technology. But when we get healers talking about it in the space of healing, it's all of a, all of a sudden quackery. Well, first I'm going to just say that I think there's levels of consciousness in the world and, and Definitely epigenetics when it comes to inherited emotional DNA. If you come from a family of scientists, do you know who Dr. Evan Alexander is? He wrote Proof of Heaven and Living in a Mindful Universe. He's got an amazing story. And I, when I first met him, I said to him, You're, you have the perfect law of attraction story. And I don't know if anyone ever said that to him, but he, the situation is he was a brain surgeon, brain scientist, like top in his field. And at the same time in his personal life, he had been adopted and he didn't know his sister growing up. And he always had this burning desire to know why he was adopted or why he was good. He loved his, his adopted parents and his adopted father was also a brain surgeon. And, uh, and so, but he had this dichotomy. People would come to him after having a near-death experience and say, oh my God, Dr. Alexander, like this happened to me. And he'd say, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. I can tell you the exact part of the brain that creates these illusions is that you're having this, um, you're having a, an illusion in the brain and, and year after year until one day he had melanoma or not melanoma. That's a cancer. He had, um, what is it? He had, uh, he had meningitis. There it is. He had meningitis of that exact part of the brain. He right. went into a coma for five days. He had this whole experience with on the other side, and came out of it and wrote Proof of Heaven and then th two other books since then and is now on the other side of medicine with the understanding of, wow, okay, I was totally wrong. Um, because, but again, he had to get meningitis of that exact part of the brain yeah. in order for him to believe that it could happen. It wasn't some random thing. It was like so specific. So I think that the smarter we are and the more in, you know, Darwinian and Newtonian physics, so to speak, you know, we we don't 
open ourselves up because it becomes more like religion or it, mm. it becomes, and people don't understand the science that's behind that. I think my show has been successful because I can explain, uh, people give me credit from a science perspective to explain the body and all kinds of things, physical, biomechanics, um, biochemistry, all the things, right? Um, the endocrine system, kinesiology. When I can talk about anatomy and then I can jump over to law of attraction and, and quantum physics and explain it in a scientific way, they go, oh, okay, now I understand it. And then they, but those people are searching. There are people that aren't searching who aren't ready and who won't learn it. That, yeah. that consciousness might be that they never get it. And maybe they're not supposed to. They're a newer soul on the planet for the first time. And that's not their, that's not their lesson this time. So I think that there are levels of soul and levels of consciousness and that we're presented with the lessons that we need to learn. And the curiosity starts to grow and build. And if there's someone listening to your show, they are ready because you don't, you don't go to a podcast that says how not to get, get sick and die without <laughs> having some level of openness to whatever you're going to talk about so that they don't get sick and die. Yeah. And with a title like that, you know, it's going to be pretty direct. <laughs> right. Very clear, very direct. Yeah. So hopefully by now they're still listening to me because I'm pretty direct too. Yeah. No, I, well, I love that about your stuff. Like it's just straight to the point. And I love the, your confidence and your energy that you, you come at it with. It's, it's really nice and refreshing just to have that unquestionability uh, that you've got about you. That's just like, oh, this is just the truth, you know, and I like the way that you deliver it. But um, so people, you know, people that are still listening which is going to be all of them because you're amazing. Uh, where can they find you <laughs> online? Thank you. Uh, my name, jjflizanes.com, J-J-F-L-I-Z-A-N-E-S.com. Everything is there. I have a whole podcast network, all the podcasts and the different players. Um, I've got those classes that I talked about, the workshops that are free. I've got some, you know, a lot of courses and, you know, whatever. I got a whole bunch of stuff. Everything's in all my social media. Just go to jjflizanes.com. I will put all of those links in the show notes below for anybody that uh, wants to come grab your stuff. Um, Flazanes is such a cool last name, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. What's Thank what's you. the heritage of that name? Greek. Gotcha. Okay, I would not have. Picked you kind of you kind of made it like sort of Italian, which I am. I'm half Italian too, but you made it a little bit Italian in the beginning, like Flazanes. But actually, in Greek, it's Flitzanes. It actually means coffee cup. Flitzanes. <laughs> there you go. But nobody in my family says Flitzanes except me and that's only when I'm in Greece or I meet someone who's Greek gotcha. <laughs> otherwise it's been Flizanes my whole life yeah okay okay that makes sense that makes sense yeah it's the, with the spelling I would definitely not have picked Greek but uh, there you go um, and if uh, you've enjoyed this episode anybody listening wants to share this with a friend or knows somebody needs to hear about it please share it share it on social media tag us both because the more we spread the word the more this good stuff happens for everybody else and to wrap up JJ what is one piece of health information information that you wish more people knew about your emotions create your reality period end of story if you have anything going on with you that you want to change you got to dive a little bit more into emotional world and try to understand it master it allow it make peace with it um, it's really why you're here everything that you want is because you think you'll feel better when you have it everything Everything you're going after in life is because you think you'll feel better when you have it. And the great news is you can feel better now without it. In fact, when you feel better now, you don't even want it. I like it. That I really just want to dive into a whole nother conversation with some of the stuff you just said. There. But we'll pr press pause and start that again another time. But thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your time. And I hope we can catch up again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Maddie. It was a pleasure and an honor to be on your show. Thanks, JJ. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavor to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.